You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to another podcast that I hope provides you a distraction. Today, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch and I discuss all of Monday's big moves and what they mean for Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins in particular. Before I get to my conversation with Michael, I wanted to share a couple thoughts of my own on Monday's action. Number one, fit matters. That's a big reason why the Redskins traded for quarterback Kyle Allen. They obviously know him having coached him in Carolina. But what I heard from people inside the organization was how he'd be good with Dwayne Haskins. When you're building a culture, this is how it's done. Now, we still don't know yet what will work and what won't. All that stuff will be determined during the season. We'll learn a lot more then. But you want to create a situation conducive to success for your players. And if you're trying to develop Haskins, then you want him in a good spot. This helps. I'm telling you, had they gone a different route with a Cam Newton or Jameis Winston, that would not have been the case. It's not because of those players' attitudes, because it would have signaled to Haskins that he's not their guy. Think of what he's gone through in less than a year with Washington, drafted by a staff that he knows didn't want him, eventually knew that they didn't want him, and feeling left to the side, hearing a lot of things leaked about him to the press. Now, he brought some of those things on himself. I've told you before, I felt like the coaching staff felt like he could have done a better job away from the facility of learning the offense even better. That aside, his body language was bad, and those close to him know it. I know this because I've talked to them about it. But after the past year, if you have a plan, it has to include how do you get the best out of him. Don't guarantee him anything. They haven't. But also put him in a position where he still must earn the job. That's what they've done. With Allen here, yes, Haskins knows that he should be the guy. But he still has to win the job. Why? Because he'll also know that Allen knows the offense, knows the staff, and they know him and respect the hell out of him. Haskins will still have to do the right things to win the job. I believe he'll do it. And for what it's worth, nobody has yet counted out Alex Smith. I still view him as a long shot. I also wonder, with the loss of the OTAs, how that impacts his ability to, not so much his ability to recover, but things that he could have been able to maybe show them on the field to see where he's really at. But there's, like I said, I still view him as a long shot. Number two, with Quentin Dunbar. Of course, traded to Seattle for a fifth-round pick. I was told right before free agency that there wasn't a lot of action on him. By a lot, I mean there wasn't any, despite teams knowing he was available. Now, he didn't help the Redskins by the way he handled the situation. He made a public demand before Ron Rivera had even had a chance to meet him. Dunbar's a good corner. And when the, when this first came out, most people that I talked to pegged the value for him around the fourth round, around the fourth round. The notion that they should have somehow tried to get a second or could have gotten a second is honestly laughable. Teams were offering 6th and 7th round picks for him. They knew that Washington wouldn't bring, bring him back based on their knowledge of Rivera and how vocal Dunbar had become on social media. 
but he's also missed 14 combined games in his two years as the full-time starter. Why the heck would anyone give up a solid pick for a player with that injury history who also wants the new deal and is in the last year of his current one? So you can't equate this with the Allen trade. The Redskins received a player they viewed as a quality backup with a cheap deal whom they can, tr- can control for a couple years. He, he'll be a restricted free agent after the season. This isn't about how good a player is. It's about value and the market. There wasn't a great market for Dunbar. There were a couple more teams interested, but again, nobody was offering better than what they got from Seattle. It's just not great value. Again, injuries. A guy who wants a big contract, hasn't played more than 11 games as a starter. What adds up to it being a higher pick? Nothing. We know he's a good corner, but he's got to stay healthy and prove it over the course of a season. I think if he had a couple more years left on his contract, then he's a lot, then he could bring more in return. That's just not the case. One coach texted me saying he wasn't surprised at the Redskins only getting a fifth fifth round pick. His point was there are lots of corners in the draft and Dunbar has been hurt a lot. And the contract demands, he said, wouldn't help. Another front office staffer on an NFC team said he liked the deal because for the Redskins because it got rid of drama and he felt they got the right return. Now, this guy also said he didn't like that Dunbar was staying in the NFC. They feel he's a good, this guy feels a good player, and I do too. They know, but they know why he didn't command more on the market. And it's, you've got to look at the big picture. As far as other corners on the market, yes, Bashad Breeland is still out there, and nobody here has yet ruled him out for me. I like Bashad, and I felt like he kind of got a bad rap during a few times here. In fact, the one season, I can't remember which year it was, the year where he got burned by Antonio Brown in that game against the Steelers in prime time. I actually thought that Bashad was close, was in really good position to make a few plays. He just didn't make them, and it made it look worse. But I didn't think the game was nearly as bad as what people made it out to be for him. And, and I also felt like it was a defensive scheme that, dis, that really put him in a bad spot. Um, and then there's also Logan Ryan. I don't know the Redskins' interest in him. I did have one defensive back coach in the NFL tell me how much he loves Ryan, and he wishes his team had had or would sign him all right finally monte nicholson done time to go it's all i've got then lastly on trent williams i was told over the weekend that yeah they've been they've clearly been talking to teams one in particular has shown more interest i don't know who that is i don't know where it's going yet i do know that it all starts with williams agreeing to a deal with another team and what i do know is that The Redskins, while they clearly want a second-round pick, I think they know that they're going to have to negotiate those terms. They still don't want to just give him away. I think if the team offered him a third, it would be a, okay, what else can you give us for that? But but while they want the second-round pick and they want to, they're not just going to give him away, I I think they understand what the situation is. I don't think they're going to do what they did with Dunbar, which is basically just get tired of him and say enough's enough. Just get them out of here. I don't think they're going to be at that point. Um, So we'll see where that goes. But that's the latest there. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Again, we talk about the big moves, what they mean for Ron Rivera, and what they mean for Dwayne Haskins. And now I'm joined by, as... I always like to say, America's favorite podcast guest, 
Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. And Michael, appreciate you taking out some time to talk about this. And I hope everybody is staying sane in your household. Podcasts are the original social distancing, John. So, you know, we were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyways, let's, let's get to it. Um, Redskins had a big day on Monday, a few big moves. I'm going to start off, maybe it was maybe the least big news one of the day was releasing Monte Nicholson. That felt like a new move that that basically had to be done. I was told this was the Cornelius Lucas signing two-hour breakdown <laughs> podcast here. I don't know. Uh, you, you know, with Monte, I think the strange thing was, he, you know, he kept finding his way into the starting lineup here. And he's one of those guys who's, oh, they lose a starter. But no other team's going to take him in to be a starter. You know, he, he'll get a look somewhere if he wants to get a look somewhere. He'll go to somebody's camp. But, you know, it, it, you'd be hard-pressed to name another team as it you know, who's going to grab that guy and say, that's our solution at safety. So, uh, you know, take, you can take all these moves together too, as I'm sure we will. And, you know, it, headaches are kind of the theme. You cut Dunbar, you, you trade Dunbar, you cut Monte, and, and that's two headaches you get yes. rid of. And, and, and that, that's a statement for your new coach right there. And I, I think that's a great point. And I was going to get to that a little bit about what all this means in, in, in full, because I think that is true. And I think when you talk to people over there, it's always about building it right, fit, you know, et cetera. And I don't think, and I don't think that Quentin Dunbar was a problem in the locker room, but I do yep. think it was trending that way. And I don't think he's a bad guy, but I just think it wasn't going to be a good situation for him and then ultimately for them. And I think Monte, you know, we've seen that it's just, again, I don't think he's a bad guy in the locker room, but the durability, um, the questions about the off field stuff, all that stuff. So this is, this was kind of a big statement day. Don't you think then? Yeah. And you know, it always comes back to production because it's the NFL. It cut Monte was such an easy call because you know what, if you're looking at the totality of a season, that's not a guy who's going to make you or break you. If you're leaning right. on Monte Nicholson, you're a three and thirteen team to begin with. That's just who you are. But but you know, with Dunbar, he was he was going to be a starter, and I think you yes. know you, you can certainly line up a, a range of opinions on him, and everybody can think what they think about Pro Football Focus. I happen to think he's a good football player. I think he's going to be really good in Seattle too. I, I think, think they're going to take advantage of him. A great fit for him. I, I, you know, that's a guy who, when you remove him from your football team, you're potentially making yourself, uh, you know, one win worse even over, over the course of a season. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate this too far, but, you, you know, you're taking a key piece away from the team and not replacing it with another key piece. You know, fifth-round draft pick, is, you, know, you might as well throw darts at the board. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's a statement move to say, Hey, you know, we're we're not going to do this by any means necessary. We're going to do this our way, uh, and our way is not to you know come in here and walk into a bad situation. And I, I I think with the Dunbar one too, he kind of put them in a tough spot right away with how this hall was handled, and immediately coming out with a new regime and saying you're demanding a trade because you're not hearing from them, um, you don't know where you stand, and the approach with this new regime is let's get to know you first and he didn't want to do that and and you know if he's at the end of it he's at that's that's his right that's fine but I just think it led to a from the for the Redskins it led to a loss of potential value to to get for him because I don't I also you know I, I don't I think the injuries 
play into that big time. It's, it may only be a one-year situation for Seattle, which, again, lowers the value. Um, a guy like Trent Williams would end up signing an extension before he goes anywhere. So I, I just think it played out poorly for them. But it is a good fit for Seattle because he is. they like the long corners, and that's what he is. If he can stay healthy, he could be pretty good out there. He just didn't stay healthy here, and that's the thing that was always the question. And then it comes down to the big word we always heard, Michael, was culture. And I, I want, you know, I would assume, and I, you, how much do you feel like that plays into this? That, that this just feels like this is what it's about. That's what this is. That's what the assistant coaches coming in are about. That's what bringing Kyle Allen is about. And that, that's other things, too, and we'll get into that. That's what bringing, you know, Thomas Davis, my goodness, of course. Right. You know, that, that's what bringing these guys in is all about. Uh, you know, the, the more people in the building you have pulling the rope your direction, the easier this is going to be to set the culture. And then the fewer guys you have pulling the other direction, the easier it's going to be. You, you got your guys – yeah, I, I always use Ryan Kerrigan as an example because he's an easy example. He's a guy who's going to do everything Ron Rivera wants him to do. That's why he's still here. That's why right. he's going to be here. You know, Ron Rivera won't have any headaches dealing with Ryan Kerrigan. You just you, you know that, and, and, and you know so so that's a guy. Maybe he's not a Rivera culture guy, whatever that means, but he gets to stay because he's not going to be a problem either. Right. You know, you've got the guys you bring in, your Thomas Davises. Those are guys who are going to pull you in the correct direction. But then on the other side, you got the guys who are pulling you away from that. And obviously they view Dunbar as being in that camp. It's, it's tough. I, I understand why Dunbar wants to cash in right now in this moment. He, he's maybe never going to be thought of this highly again in his career. He's coming off of his best season. You know, he's, he's on a hot streak. Uh, things are going well for him. He could get hurt next year. He could regress next year. Any number of things. This is obviously the correct time for him to cash in as a player. Contract says otherwise, though, and that you know that's how this league works. is a very unfair league sometimes to the players, and, and you know, I it, I think if you went went to the thirty two NFL teams, you know maybe some of them would say we'll talk about giving this guy an extension, but I don't think it'd be unanimous. You know, most of no. the teams say here's your deal, play it out, and then we'll figure it out from there. And I think the hard part for him is you know yeah he had a good year, but he only played eleven games. Yeah. And he's coming. That's coming off a year where there's seven games. Whereas, like a guy like Trent Williams, yes, he misses games, but you see what the high level he plays at when he is there. And there's such a long track record for him. Whereas Quinton has been a good corner, and I, you know, I think we can all admire his rise up there. I think the other thing you wonder about is the precedent. And there's two ways to look at it. One, the precedent. If you're another player who's upset. You go to Rivera, maybe he's just going to ship you out of here. So if you, if you kind of make waves, they reward you, so to speak. On the other hand, what it also feels like is Rivera knows in his first year, if you're going to get rid of guys like this, now is the time to do it. They're not playing. Everybody wants to play to win. Everybody's going to try to win. But they know that this year, coming off a 3-13 and year and the disaster this place had become, that – there's a little bit of a pass this year. And so you have to establish what you're about and what you want to be about and what's the foundation for your program. Yeah, you, you don't cut corners to win in year one. You cut corners right. to win in year five. That, you, know, you, you don't come in and say, ah, you know, he's a headache, but we'll deal with it because he can lift us from five to six wins. You know, like, hey, that, that day will come. The hot seat day will come, or if things go well, the, the, the push all the chips in for the Super Bowl day will come. You look at, look at what Sean McVay is doing out in Los Angeles where, you know, they took right. on a bunch of guys last year to try to lift them over that hump to get to the Super Bowl. 
that's when you that's when you deal with these things you know you try to lift yourself from being a 10 win team to a 12 win team by taking on the headaches you know and going from from four to six come on that that ain't worth it no no it's not and and that that you know i i, I remember even talking to somebody over there before where i was like if you're gonna keep like quentin and trent I'd be more apt to keep – if you feel like which one would you want to keep around in a situation where they may be playing on their last year knowing that, I'd be more apt to keep Trent. I think he's more able to keep some things within, within himself. And I think we would – had they not – had they handled the deadline stuff differently, we never would have heard anything from Trent about all this. Yes. Um, but I also think like with Quinton, I think I could see there being more potential where you could just know he's upset. I think with Trent, he's, he would get – my sense of the two of them is that Trent would probably get through it better. I don't know that that's going to come to that. I don't – I still think that he ends up being traded, but, you know, you know what I mean? So I, I just – I wonder if if you agree, if, if there's one that you would have said this guy would probably handle the situation better um, than the other. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, and this is why I went to bat for Jordan Reed every year. Uh, you know, nature of the injuries aside, you just say, like, Everybody, the fans always say, oh, you know, he's only going to give you eight games. Yeah, sure, but those eight games are so good. Like, you know, it was was Jay Gruden smart to build an offense around him? No, that was a bad decision on his part because he had an irreplaceable piece that always he always needed to replace. Um, right. But at the same time, you know, you look at, you know, Quentin Dunbar, very good. Trent Williams, great. Like, right. the, you know, if you only get eight games from him, you know in those eight games you are getting – the you know premier NFL production at that position everything you said is absolutely right the fact that we you know from the time he had the surgery on his head we didn't hear about it for for months after that he didn't speak about it for months after that um you know all those are completely agree The last transaction was the Kyle Allen trade, and what, what did you think when you heard that? Well, you know, I giving giving away a fifth round pick kind of felt funny until they got one back. Uh, I, I'm completely for the trade, and and for the reason of everything's crazy right now. Uh, you know, with with this coronavirus thing, uh, you know, you don't want to like build a football team uh, around coronavirus concerns. But but I will say this: quarterback's the most important position on the team. Yep. He's a guy who knows what you want to do. He's a guy who can run all the plays you're going to install in the playbook. If you look at it this way, and, and shoot, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I'm not the guy who's, who's on TV telling everybody what's going on. But, but I'll say this. I don't think it's unreasonable to say, I don't think we're going to have OTAs this year. Uh, right. You know, those are, those are right around the corner. I don't think we're going to have that. Mini camp, doubtful. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people are kind of eyeing it with an eye towards Hopefully we get to Richmond, start training camp, have a full training camp, full preseason, go into the year from there. But even if you do that, I think with a new coach, new system, you've got to give Haskins 100% of those reps, you know, or, or at least as many as you can possibly sure. give him. You, you can't cheat him out of any reps in a new system, new coach, all that. He, he's going to need all the work he can get. That's not a knock on him. It's, just, it's a new system. And he's going to have a very compressed timetable to learn it. That's unfair to him. That's unfair to everybody. That's the league. That, that's what we're all up against this year. Right. That's the NFL. Um, so because of that, you can't be training a backup. You just don't have time. You don't have time to say, well, Haskins, why don't you sit out today? 
and we're going to give the reps to our backup because he needs to learn the system too. It's just not going to work like that. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, very smart to bring in a guy who knows the system. And, you know, every, everybody's always going to make everything a referendum on do they believe in Haskins. I think this is the perfect fit for a backup quarterback just in terms of saying, yes, obviously Haskins is still the starter. He's not coming in here to unseat Haskins, uh, you know, it, at least not on paper, not right, right. away. Haskins is your, your number one coming into camp. I think that's important for everybody to know, at least important for him to know, um, you know, that, that they're not bringing in an equal. They're not bringing in a Jameis where you say, like, Jameis is coming here to compete for a job. He's going to try to win it. This guy's the number two. Right. And I think that that's partly why I knew that, you know, when, and, you know, I had to shoot down some of the Cam Newton and Jameis stuff because you knew it wasn't going to happen. And as for the reason you said, you bring those guys in, they're automatically starting. And it, it just sends such a bad message for Haskins. And I know, listen, if you think those guys are better and you want to go with them, that's fine. Then you'd have to get rid of Haskins because you're not going to, you're going to lose them at that point. And you can deduce whatever you want from that. If you don't, if people don't like that, it is, that's the reality. And so if you think Haskins is going to be your guy, you want to put him in a position to compete for the job. And I think that's the thing, that's the beauty with Kyle Allen here is that he's good enough to go play if you need him to, but you really know he's going to be, a, he's more suited as a strong backup. But again, it's almost like we always talk about that Case Keenum type. He's a little bit like the, the early stages of a Case Keenum, you know, a guy in terms of his story, and, but a guy who can go in and play and help you if you're struggling or if you're not taking care of your business. I think the other point, Michael, to, to what you're saying, and it's a good point about the backup reps, but the other part of it too is, is just to have another voice in that room for Haskins to somebody who knows the offense and is willing to work with him. Because that's one thing I've heard about this kid is he's a pretty good kid and they, they, they emphasize that fit. But then the other thing too, during the spring when you can't go work out, Haskins can now contact Kyle Allen and say, hey, can we get together and go over the playbook or go over these plays that you know are going to be called? So it gives him a better ability during downtimes to maybe learn more of the offense without having to wait to get the official to officially get the playbook. Yeah, you, you can serve that case in Colt roll up guy who comes in at 630 a.m. just sets the tone. You know, the quarterbacks right. come in at 630 a.m. He knows what Rivera wants. He knows when Rivera wants him in the building. He'll do that. He'll set that tone. It, it, the evolution of Case Keenum that was making me think of like this, like caterpillar turning into a butterfly. The the evolution of a of a Case Keenum when when he finally blooms and uh, becomes the Case Keenum he'd he'd always been meant to be. I don't, there's a there's a scientific poster in there somewhere. I think. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But it is development of an NFL backup quarterback. You know, he's going from competing for the job to securing the backup role to one day coming in there and managing the end of the string for a really bad football team. Yeah, that, that's yes. And you know, I think, I think the other thing with, with, with Allen too is, and I'm a little bit, I don't want to say I'm intrigued the wrong word, but I do think he, you know, he, again, it's that word fit. It just keeps coming up with all the stuff. And I do think he's a good fit for the situation. Um, and I think, you know, and, you know, over the last week or so, when you talk to people, like, I didn't know where they would go with it. You always felt they wanted somebody with experience. So we kept looking for ties to these. Who are the guys with ties to staff? And anybody I'd reach out to, 
you know, whether it's the Drew Stantons or Taylor Heineke, they hadn't contacted those guys. Those are guys that have ties to members of this staff. So it's kind of like, well, who the heck are they going to go after? I just wonder if they kind of figured that P.J. Walker would end up in Carolina and maybe they'd be able to make that move to get Kyle Allen. So, you know, it, it, I think it worked out well for them. I don't know about – what did you think about the fifth-round pick given up for him? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a quarterback and it's the NFL, so you do what you got to do, I guess. I, you know, I, I, with Dunbar, I would have, I you know, thought ideally you get more. I think Dunbar is more valuable than a fifth. I think Kyle Allen probably less valuable than a fifth. You know, that's the league. That's the price. I'll, I'll say that, you know, on paper, and we haven't played any football games yet, um, it's very rare to see a win-win scenario um, like, like it's been, I think, with Carolina and, and Rivera, where I, I do think Rivera's in a good place and has been able to assemble his team. And, and you know, you never win by getting fired, but I, I think he won as much as you could have. Um, I think Carolina won, too. I, I think uh, getting Matt Rule down there was a great hire. I, I like Matt Rule. Yeah, I think what they've been doing is really good. Uh, I, I feel like both sides have really won from from that exchange. And what what, did, what have you learned about Rivera throughout this last couple of weeks? Is or I guess the first part of free agency. Yeah, and you know, and I, I think that you know what we touched on earlier in the show. It, so much of this is about culture. So much of this is about fit. Um, you know, I, I got to talk to him at the Super Bowl for a little while while he's making the rounds there. And one of the things was, you know, just, you know, he feels it's very, very important to be out setting the tone, setting the voice, doing that early. And, and you know, I, I think a lot of it is what you do in the first year, what you do in your first months, what you do in your first impressions is kind of the bar and then everything works from there. You know, wherever you set, this is how I want things to be. You can always relax. You can always go backwards, but it's very hard to go forwards. You think about, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan, even who I, I was nobody's definition of like a loose on the players, but you know, always canceled that third day of mini camp. Well, you can never go back and have the third day of mini camp again. Like right. once you do, I know lots of NFL guys do that. I'm just using that as an example. You, once you draw, the, once you set the line, though, when, here's the policy, here's the rules, here's the culture. You can always loosen it. You can always slide backwards, but it's really hard to tighten the screws again and, and, you know, really hard to do that in the locker room. And, guys, we're all getting paychecks, and this is their job. And, and that's clearly the, – the, he clearly is using this year to set a foundation. And I think when you're coming to a place where the number one word that we've all heard in a negative way is culture, then this has to be your first – and it should be your priority anywhere because anytime you go somewhere – but I think especially here – and I think you have to establish how are you going to be as a franchise so that way you can kind of, you know, set the expectations for the players as well. And while, while certainly we note that, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, a, a playoff contender this year, uh, you know, and you, and you can weigh in on this and tell me I'm crazy if you want. Uh, you know, You're I think this is, a team that's, <laughs> this is a team that's going to get a few wins better just by having having the coaches they're going to have in the building I think the defense is going to get better because I because it can't get worse you know I think this is a team where you can pencil them in for five or six wins and, and not feel crazy about it yeah I right, listen man if they better win five or six um and I don't know that they're I don't know that I'm not I don't want to say they're say they're going to be much better than that but I think you should expect that kind of that level they're not going to the playoffs just, right, just right. I'm not going to go in there saying the playoffs unless we keep expanding when we go to the 2017 playoffs Correct. Right. You know, these, but, guys, these guys could be there in that Saturday game. Right. But I do think, I do think they, 
I think, and the reason I say that, I think that this staff will be good enough to expect those couple wins. And I think last year was such a bad year and um, the fall off was dramatic um, that I think that if you bring a solid staff in here that is focused on the future versus trying to win their, save their jobs. And really they got to a point where they knew they were done. And so the, I think it just had changed completely early in the year. So I think you, you have to factor that into count two when you look and say this year should be decently better. Now, what that means, I don't know. But, I, you know, so I think, I think there's that. I, I, that's what I keep telling people, too, Michael, about the free agency when it's like, why didn't they get this guy, that guy? To me, the single biggest addition is Ron Rivera. And I think the second one is Jack Del Rio. And if, yeah. if they had – I just say if they had signed – they signed Landon Collins last year. If they had signed another free agent, do you think they'd have been any different last year? <laughs> it, it, I'll say this, you know, not to take us all the way back to last year. It's a podcast so we can go off the rails here. If the Dolphins don't botch the end of that game there <laughs> it, and, and Callahan loses his first game, just think how off the rails we were going to go. Well, we were thinking about that at the time because it was <laughs> certainly – real. It was certainly realistic, and yeah, that would have been. I mean, gosh, I'm trying Goodness. not to relive last year, but you know, it's funny because last year seems like such a pleasant memory compared to what's going on right now. So, <laughs> so you, know. you know, if I think, I think you know, looking back, knowing what I know now, and you know, having a weekend where I wanted to watch March Madness, but there's no March Madness. I, I wish I would have appreciated that Redskins Jets game a little more at the time. <laughs> well, the good thing for you. <laughs> You do have the T-shirt for the memories. So just for people listening, if they sell those, I mean, that was like the most ridiculous T-shirt ever they were selling. It was like the Redskins versus the Jets T-shirt. So if you see Michael, hopefully we see a training camp this year, and you see Michael at training camp and he's wearing that T-shirt, just ask him about it because it's a, it's a pride and joy. The, to buy I, I keep it. I keep it under lock and key. It's my most prized possession. It's uh, Didn't you buy a second one too? Wasn't there another one? Yeah, the one at the Giants game was so good because it was it was Christmas themed. It was like holiday gifts under a tree. <laughs> uh, but the only gift was how terrible the football was that day. Oh, but but you have those T-shirts, so <laughs> nobody can take those away from you. Well, I guess they could. Yeah, uh, but brighter days ahead. I hope so. I yeah. So I. I hope this gets better. I, 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 what's, what's been the, for you working from home and you have little kids, what's been the biggest challenge so far with all this? Okay. I'm an extrovert. So I'm, I'm all like, it's driving me nuts, not hanging out with people. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm FaceTime and texting people, all the usual things. Uh, I don't own the cows like you have out, out <laughs> there on the ranch. So, you know, that that's tough, obviously. Um, you have to go to the grocery store. I, you know, I, I've been to the grocery store a couple of times. I, I stood in, I stood in line to go to Costco. Um, I you know, did, did my time, loaded us up. I'm, you know, to go fully off the rails, I'm unclear why we're choosing toilet paper as the thing we're hoarding right now. Um, did, there are certain things like we're cooking more meals at home, so we need more food, but I'm, I'm still using the toilet a uh, normal amount. Like I, I'm unclear why people thought demand would go up on, on that, that particular item. Like, I, I don't I know. Don't it's, it. weird. it's weird. Um, it, the cool thing is, you know, my, my oldest is in kindergarten, so she's at school all day. And, you know, during football season, I'm gone on the weekends, obviously. 
it's been very cool to spend the time with her get you know get get to hang out a little bit um but uh you know just in terms of us all being in the house yeah we're all going to kill each other yeah and it's it's, know, it's the only way this ends yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i will say i you know having older kids and only one of whom is at the house now it's a lot easier because you don't have to entertain them and that's what i was thinking is like during Frazee, it's really hard because we I'm in my office the almost the whole day, just about. I mean, I might walk around, but I'm looking at my phone and you can, you know, you're not really if sure. my son wasn't 16 and self-sufficient, I don't know what I would do. It's um on the plus side though, your jokes would kill in this in this house, right? It's, this this is a prime time age for it. My my material is is A plus. I, I used to always kill that four and five-year-old circuit i was big oh, on that for a while yeah. oh yeah you know, I, I might as well be jerry seinfeld strutting into the room there you know and i got the goods the sad thing is they got older and my jokes stayed the same <laughs> so that's the hard part i'm still trying to catch up to where they're at i'm hoping that in a few years i get there but, and, uh, but by then they'll have their they'll have their kids and then i can go back to my four and five-year-old kids tour so. Well, but but we are still just fine in Richmond. ZZQ is still, uh, it still has takeout ordering. Um, so so it, yeah, as soon as soon as that ends, you'll you'll hear the screams from here. But uh, for now, for now, we're still all right. Well, good, and I'm glad to hear that. And I may actually have to drive down to get some ZZQ carryout just because. But on, on that note, though, I will say thank you for joining me. It's been a long. Long few days and weeks and every for you, for everybody, and hopefully we get through this and we're all okay. But I appreciate you coming on as always. Read yeah, Michael everybody, and everybody stay safe out there. Uh, really excited for uh, for football season. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll turn the corner back to normal and uh, uh, the banter will be just as bad, but man, we're going to appreciate it so much more. Absolutely. Yeah, could, could you imagine the bits? We're going to laugh at every bit this year in the new <laughs> room just because we're happy to hear words from other people <laughs> in the same room. Uh, All right. Well, you can read Michael on the Richmond Times Dispatch website. Always good stuff. And tell them where they can follow you on Twitter. Absolutely. Michael PRTD, uh, Richmond.com is the Richmond Times Dispatch. You can pick up a printed newspaper. Um, I get. I don't know if you can pick up a printed newspaper anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but we have a website. So there you go. Well, they may need that printed paper for some other product because all the <laughs> toilet paper's out. So. Whatever Can't you do, do that with an iPad. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Take care. Well, that's all for this week. A big thank you to Michael Phillips for joining me. Don't forget, you can read me on ESPN.com. I had a couple stories on ESPN Monday talking about the Redskins free agency and some insight into their strategy. But most of all, thank you for tuning in. I'm not going to be able to come up with a vaccine or any kind of a miracle drug, but I hope I can divert your attention for a half hour every so often. Stay safe.